This episode of Talk Central is brought to you by Pinnacle, Africa's top ICT distribution business, delivering the exceptional every time. I'm Richard van der Berg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 241, for the week starting 19 November 2018. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central. You can WhatsApp the show, 071-999-1111. On Talk Central this week, the operators are all a Roman. Also on the show this week, Bitcoin falls out of bed and then falls down the stairs. Load shedding makes an ugly comeback. Telcom to switch off its 2G network. And mm. Google is exploring VR shoes with tiny motorized wheels. Mm, exciting stuff. It's Tuesday, not quite our usual time, and it's time to talk everything tech. Welcome to the show. How's it, Rechart? How's it, Duncan? It is indeed a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, no, the show hasn't disappeared. We've just uh, mm-hmm. had our heads down and been very busy with the sort of pre-December holiday madness. But uh, we're still here and we're still recording, just doing it on a on a Tuesday for a change. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be back to normal definitely from uh, this weekend, I'm from sure. this weekend, for sure. But uh, lots to talk about since we've been away for a bit. Um, mm. So um, let's uh, let's dive into the podcast. But before we get into the news, let's do our quiz. The first question: ESCOM has introduced new load shedding stages. How many stages are there now? Tech Central this week, or last week actually, recorded a podcast with the former administrator of NASA, who served in the role from 2009 to 2017. Really loved that interview. Who is he? Oh yeah. What's his name? The the third question, which South African fintech startup this week secured 7 million rand in funding from Kalon Venture Partners and Compass Venture Capital? And how many .za domains have been registered to date? The last question, which bank will this week launch a mobile virtual network operator after saying a few years ago it decided not to do so? That launch happening tomorrow, but we'll get to the answers to the uh, quiz at the end of the show. But let's uh, let's dive in. Lots to talk about, Rechart, uh, since we last chatted, and um, really interesting uh, development around roaming. Uh, we're all a Roman, mm. Roman on the gloaming. <laughs> um, uh, so we know that Cell uh, C a couple of months ago signed the roaming agreement with MTN and said it would move its roaming off Vodacom and that it would get seamless roaming on 4G LTE on MTN's network. Big uh, big sco- a coup for uh, for Cell C and, I suppose, for MTN as well uh, to lure that business away from Vodacom. But uh, just a week or so or so ago, uh, Telcom and Vodacom announcing that they have entered a new roaming agreement. Now, Telcom customers have been, have, have been able to roam in the past on MTN's 2G and 3G networks. They're now going to be roaming on um, Vodacom's 3G and 4G networks and 2G, Ooh. I think. Uh, so, and one and also seamless roaming, which means uh, if your call, if your uh, signal is handed over from a Telcom tower to a Vodacom tower or vice versa, the call will not drop. And the handover will be instantaneous, uh, which is um, which is a big step up for for telecom customers. Um, so yeah, quite exciting. Basically, uh, telco, basically telecom and CLC and Vodacom and MTN have done a big switcheroo, and mm. um, and so telecom will be now be on Vodacom and uh, CLC is now on MTN. Uh, the Celsi roaming is actually in effect already. So if you're a Celsi customer and you roam outside the cities, uh, you will roam onto MTN's network. And if you are a telecom customer, you can expect the same to happen before June next year when the existing roaming agreement with MTN expires. I suspect the switchover will probably happen even earlier than that. But the seamless handover is quite quite cool. Um, that's pretty cool technology. I agree with you. I yeah. mean, the way that that could happen, if you think about it, I mean, that's a lot of things that has to go right for yeah. that call not to drop. Yes. Um, now, what's interesting about the, the the difference between the two deals, which I find fascinating, is in the case of the MTN, sorry, in the case of the um, Celsius MTN arrangement, uh, uh, the the agreement is only for towers outside of areas where Celsius doesn't have coverage. So they've selected towers around the country, um, and if you happen to be in one of those areas, then you'll roam onto MTN. So this will be outside the cities. It'll be in the more remote mm. parts of the country. Uh, the agreement with uh, between Telcom and Vodacom is for nationwide roaming. So if you're in the middle of Johannesburg and you have excellent Telcom coverage, you can still switch to Vodacom if you want to. So it looks 
to be a better deal for telecom customers than the MTN arrangement for CellC customers. Um, that's always been the arrangement between telecom and MTN. If you wanted to, you could uh, switch your phone across to MTN, albeit not on 4G. You'd have to yeah. step down to 3G. Now, <clears throat> this this is interesting for a number of reasons uh, because, first of all, what's going to stop you if you're a telecom customer from telling your phone to roam on Vodacom's 4G network permanently? Instead well, it of, makes sense. Why wouldn't you do it? Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, Vodacom has a better network than Telcom's. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Telcom's network, but Vodacom, we know, has a has invested invests must be eight nine billion rand a year in its network. They have extensive 4G coverage, and we've seen through the Ookla speed tests that um, it has a faster download and upload speeds on average than 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 its competitors, particularly the smaller guys like Celsi and Telcom. Um, now the question is: I wonder what this does for um, for uh, the, you know the, the costings for telecom. If suddenly a big chunk of their customers switch their phones across to roam exclusively on mm. on Vodacom, um, I'm sure telecom does not want to do that. Um, I'm sure it's not in its financial interest for it to do that. Um, so it it, in, it intrigues me. Um, but it, it's part of the agreement. So for it not to happen is almost like. But you should have expected it to, yes. in a way. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's. I've, but we were speaking about this uh, last week when we were talking about phone upgrades and stuff uh, mm-hmm. between you and I. And um, I, when you told me about telecom deals, I was still one, wondering, like, why would I want to go to a mobile operator that's not got proper coverage, like a Vodacom or MTN? I mean, I'm still intrigued by that. I, I still can't. I still decided to stick with MTN because I couldn't make that switch to. Uh, you know, a third-party operator, essentially. Mm. And I'm intrigued by how people like it. Or, I mean, is it yeah. purely a costing? Well, or? I'm a telecom customer. I've been using it for about three years now. Um, and I, I switched because the prices were just so good. Um, I switched when they launched the Freemi plans. And I live in a city. I live in Johannesburg. And yeah, generally yeah. generally speaking, I have no problem with telecom coverage. Uh, some places I might find that... Um, you know the coverage is not as good, like in the basement of a of a building, sure, a parking sure, lot, for sure. example, where for some reason Telcom or MTN seem to have better. Sorry, Vodacom or MTN seem to have better coverage. Um, there's no air Telcom coverage in the Gauteng underground, where there is the is coverage from Vodacom and MTN. But mm. apart from those very few examples, um, I, I have pretty much. 4G LTE coverage from Telcom wherever I go in Johannesburg. All the time. Now, and now even more so because you can switch permanently to yeah. the Vodacom towers, right? Exactly. And when, when I did have an issue, if I had like one bar of, of, of Telcom signal, because um, I was deep in a building somewhere um, in the middle of Santon, for example, and um, I needed to file a story, I needed to connect, and I wasn't getting a good experience on the Telcom signal, I would just switch my phone to MTN 3G. Which is a great experience. Mm-hmm. On MTN 3G, I typically get more than 10 megabits a second. Um, so there's no real issue there. Um, so if you live in the city, telecom is not a problem. It's The coverage is, is generally good. I think you do need to check that you've got both co- good coverage at home and at the office. Yeah, uh, yeah. And if you have both of those, then it's, it's really not an issue. Um, but, yeah, you know, tel- we know Vodacom's coverage is significantly better. Um, so what's going to stop you from from, um, from switching over? And I did ask Sipo Maseko, the group CEO of Telcom, about this. I said, uh, you know, what do you um, – you know, how, how, do you, how do you deal with this? And he said to me that they're looking at more – using soft, software in the network to more aggressively step you back onto the, onto the Telcom network um, after you've um, been switched across to Vodacom. Uh, and he kind of implied that there may be a way for them to, even if you force your phone to roam on Vodacom, to have it switch back to Telcom. Uh, okay. Now, After a period, probably, or amount of data or something? I, yeah, no, he, this is what he said, but I'm actually not sure that's the case because you're controlling it from your phone. I'm not sure the network operator is able to force – um, you, your device to switch back to their network after you've told your device that you want to be on a particular network. So while he says this, I actually wonder whether that's technically possible. Uh, I don't know the answer to that. Um, mm. Interesting. Yeah, interesting question. My first thought would be yes, that they could potentially reset the number to their default, the routing, you know, from where it should be. I don't know. That might. You know, that might force the phone to switch back to a default because a SIM card is still essentially a telecom SIM card, right? So you're operating yeah. on 
let's call that running on the telecom network. Yes. I don't know. I would I would probably wager a small bet to say that you can. It's maybe, an interesting maybe. question, though. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to watch anyway. Um, I'll, be, I'll be annoyed, actually, if I, if I switch my phone across to the roaming partner network and then it switches itself back yeah. because there's a yeah. reason I switch to it. I do keep my exactly. phone on Telcom. I don't roam on MTN all the time, although mm. it's going to be more attractive for me to roam on Vodacom, um, although not at home because the Vodacom signal here is shocking. Um, so Telcom works better for you in your environment. It does. It does. Um, it does indeed. It does make telecom a lot more appealing because we had this conversation, and I, again, I couldn't justify going to telecom for any reason. But if this was in place when I made my when like when I was thinking about it, it, it might, probably wouldn't have moved to Vodacom, but it would have like made it a lot more appealing to go to telecom. Yeah, um, you know. But again, you have to w- wager up the amount of effort it takes to you know just transfer your accounts and uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, how much how much is a hundred rand a year and they're going to really affect? Usage really because I'm I still got I still got FEOS as my data backend so I'm kind of I am paying MTN for a little bit of data for one gig of data mm-hmm. um, but all my data is running through FEOS so I'm still got this dual system setup yeah I guess it's not it's not as efficient as somebody that's running everything through one account and that's what the average consumer would do right mm. they would just go to an operator mm. give them a lot of money and then get data and calls and then question why. Why do I have a thousand SMSs and not a thousand uh, megabytes of data? Yeah, yeah. For, I mean, for me, it made no. I, I use a lot of data on my mobile phone, not an excessive amount, but it, it it made sense to switch from my previous provider to Telcom because I was paying. I ended up paying yeah, yeah. less than half of what I was previously, and um, on my previous network, I was always worried about going out of bundle. I was constantly mm, having mm. to top up. Um, but with this new one, I never get close to using the 20 gigabytes a month of free <laughs> a lot of data. Free wow. plan I have. I mean, I, I'm lucky if I get half of that, but I don't mind paying. I think it's 500 bucks a month um, because yeah, I don't yeah. have that worry all the time about going out Safety of bundle. Net. And it also it's, it's when the job calls for it. You can't. You can't. You know, be sitting there trying to load data. You know, yeah. you're gonna have to have it. Um, I agree with you, and that's why I've got my data set up the way it is because mm. I get pretty cheap data that yeah. way. And it um, changed. It changed the way I use my phone when I when I got onto this plan. Um, whereas before, I would I would never watch a YouTube video on the go because I'm worried it's gonna eat up all my data. Now I think, oh, okay, hell, here's an interesting YouTube video. Let me watch it. Um, and I don't care what I do on my phone. I yeah, update yeah. apps. I don't wait till I'm back in, in, in my home Wi-Fi to update an app. I just, oh, there's an update, hit, update, hit the update button. Um, I, oh, I want to listen to a podcast in the car. No problem. Download it mm, over mobile. Mm, and uh, mm. that's the way it should be. You shouldn't have exactly, to be worried about exactly. mobile data all the time. You see, with my setup, I've I've had that for a while. You know, I haven't had, I haven't worried. About, I mean, I've had obviously good data at home, but when, whenever I'm out and about, or if I do a little road trip, and I want to download an audio book, I would just do it. You know, mm. three hundred megabytes is nothing if if you're paying fifty rand a gig. You know, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm with a little bit of pre-planning, and you know, if you have data to spare, then that's the way you should be doing it. You shouldn't yeah. be worried about it. I mean, our phones are so good. We've, we both were talking about these devices and. Mm. Yeah, you don't want data to hold you back. Mm-hmm. Mm, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, well, it's going to be interesting as a telecom customer to see how this roaming agreement pans out. But um, in the next coming six months, we'll have an answer. And, uh, Should work I'll, out well. I'll provide some feedback to uh, to the listeners of the show as to how exactly this roaming is going to work and uh, whether I can port, switch across to Vodacom permanently without it worrying about it switching back. I'll probably just mm, carry on yeah. using the telecom network, to be honest. But um, some customers... Some customers will um, will want mm. to switch on to, especially if they live on, in in an area where the uh, where the telecom coverage is not great. But would the average consumer really know this? That's would the they other know how point. To do this? That's Probably the, not. That's the other point. Um, that's the other point. So someone I, I'm not going to na- name him because <laughs> I think he might be a bit embarrassed. <laughs> but I, I know an, a, another technology journalist who was gobsmacked when I told him that. Uh, that you can uh, roam onto another um, operator's network through the phone settings. He didn't know it. Um, no, that's interesting. So if, if this is a, a tech journo um, who writes about the stuff for a living didn't know that, then um, then maybe your average consumer just doesn't know this and will, will never figure it out. And some guys will know and they will probably use it and mm. others, majority probably won't. So yeah. they won't really lose out in the bigger scheme of things. It, it kind of just helps them. Yeah. 
But um, yeah, it's a great it's it's a great thing if you'd be able to do it, and I hope they don't restrict it. I really hope. No, I hope just not let either. It be. Yeah, maybe they'll maybe they'll uh, they'll just let it let it run as long as it mm. as long as there isn't a mass switch and people just roam on Vodacom all the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it would also be area dependent, like you said, with you and your house now. I mean, telecom works better for you there. So there's a lot of people that's in your position. I've mm. lived in a few places where neither of the uh, major tel- um, operators reached efficiently. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've got I've got very strong telecom and uh, and and MTN coverage at my house. Um, I've got a very a weakish Vodacom signal, and Celsius is non-existent. Should we do a quick speed test and see who's got the fastest fastest data throughput on their mobile device? On mobile, all right, let's try yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm switching off my I'm switching off my, my I know, Wi-Fi. I know you're going to win. Uh, yeah, let me switch off the Wi-Fi. Um, otherwise, it's going to be. Well, I've got a 4G plus symbol on my phone. Is that a good thing? That is a good thing. I have 4G plus as well. <laughs> um, but I suspect you're going to you're going to win hands down here. Uh, let's make sure we oh, use the same. Quite tasty. I'm not going to lie to you. What are you using? Speed test. Speed test. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to f- open the same app. Go. It's sitting comfortably at um, 66 megabits per second. Wow. Okay, the upload is a different beast. Let's try that one. I mean, that's a pre- I've never actually looked at it from my heart because I'm always on fiber and I've got yeah. 50 meg. But yeah. this is actually better than my 50 meg fiber, which is… Yeah, but it's not nice on <laughs> Yeah, it's not on cap. That's other. Okay, my upload is only 10, so okay. fiber still wins. All right, my upload speed. Um, sorry, my download speed is thirty-two point three megabits a second. Mm-hmm. Um, this is on telecom. This is not on roaming. And my upload speed is it's just about to finish. Seven point eight megabits a second. Okay, so it's it's there's a difference. And try it on Vodacom, and let's try. Uh, uh, well, would it be on yet? No, it wouldn't. Um, I'd have to switch it. To, no, it's not on yet. I'd have to switch it to roaming on MTN, and that does take a, a short while. Yeah. Um, but and but 3G typically I have done it um, I have done it before and um, it, it's always easily 10 megs a second. Mm. But yeah, 32 megs. I, I mean, are you really going to notice a difference between 60 megs and 30 megs um, at the end of the day on your mobile device? You're not. No, no, probably not. Um, exactly because you're not going to be using it to consume a, a huge chunk of data. It will. You know, you, your, your downloads for your apps and stuff will still be remarkably quick. You know, yeah. if you're going to do a quick uh, uh, Google Maps update or something or whatever you want to do. I mean, that's a benefit of it you have these bursts of speed yeah um consume a bit of data but you're not gonna i mean obviously the, the other thing is uh, if you're gonna look at youtube videos it's gonna do um do the highest res automatically if your phone can handle it yeah so that's the kind of thing you just need to be cautious of but if you don't really care about it i mean a 300 mm. 500 800 meg video doesn't really make a difference no yeah first world problems <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. As long as we've got decent data, but fiber did spoil us for sure. So let's uh, let's move on to our next topic. Have you been looking at the Bitcoin price in the last few days? I've heard a lot of um, glass breaking sounds. Yeah, that was Bitcoin falling through the floor. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, I actually I haven't been worried about Bitcoin at all. Like, yeah. I don't have any vested interest in this. Yeah. I'm picking up some static on the line. I don't know if it's your uh, mic. It sounds like it might be a bit loose or something. Maybe just check the sockets there. But Bitcoin, um, Bitcoin has uh, really. Um, I mean, it's it's a shocker. It was it fell all the way to about forty one hundred US dollars this morning, um, and uh, it's it's really is falling out of bed. And uh, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, it was sitting at sixty five hundred dollars. Uh, some technical analysts I've been reading have suggested that uh, the next target is thirty uh, is three thousand mm. dollars. Uh, and if it falls through that, it could fall to two thousand um, dollars. And there's no clear reason why it's doing this. Um, a lot of speculation is centered on uh, the uh, hard fork of Bitcoin Cash, and that this uh, may have um, somehow prompted this decline. I'm not sure. I, I haven't certainly. I haven't, I haven't understood any of the reporting I've read on this and why that might be the mm. case. Um, but certainly, Bitcoin is not in a in a, in a, in a great place at this mo- at moment, and I unfortunately bought in at uh, around seventy two hundred dollars. So I'm feeling some pain here. I was speaking to somebody who just is in the financial industry, and um, we we're just having a chat about Bitcoin. And <laughs> well, we, we, let's just say we didn't have a chat about Bitcoin because Bitcoin seemed to be a uh, like the, the biggest swear word on earth when you speak to anybody in the financial industry. <laughs> um, 
And I just got the sense from that they don't believe in it. They think it's a fad and it's going to pass. I mean, okay, it was an audience of one, right? But, I mean, it, it was an interesting, uh, you know, just seeing it from somebody who's very active in a financial service industry, looking at this. I mean, obviously, it might have been his interest. I don't know. So, obviously, it doesn't look good as a solution. But, you know, it's not the first time I've seen sentiment to that nature where people, mm. you know, the average guy, again, you know, look at Bitcoin and say it's a tech thing. I'm not going to be too worried about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, what is it based on? Where is the basis for it? What is the backing? That's the kind of thing yeah. people ask the most. Look, I, I still, I, mean, I would love for it to work because I think it's fantastic. Um, decentralized money, you know, taking away power from the bank. Those mm. things are fantastic. Mm. Um, but it's interesting how these technologies, you know, go in these uh, ebbs and flows. Yeah. Um, we speak about them all the time and then they kind of dip away. And uh, now they are just volatile at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I'm I'm watching it with a, a great deal of interest mm. and, and a great deal of worry at the moment, having uh, invested in it. Thankfully, I haven't invested too much, but uh, mm. enough to feel the pain of these declines. But, I don't uh, think it's going to go away, to be honest. I mean, it's, it, there's always going to be a need for it. Mm. But I still have two, two big questions about, about any of these algorithms or, or any of these um, digital currencies. I still want to know what... What calculations are they solving? I just I can't seem to get a straight answer on that. That's like what what are we solving here when we mine for Bitcoin? Um, and then the other thing, you know, it's just look. Oh, I actually lost my train of thought. <laughs> but what what are we mining for here? Like what is the thing that's the underlying thing that you're mining for in your hardware? That's pretty mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I look forward to seeing how this thing's going to play out. I don't think it's going to go sure. anywhere though. For sure. Well, let's hope not. Anyway, we're going to take a quick ad break We're going to fix Rechard's mic Which is making all sorts of weird noises And we'll be back in just a moment Bitco is revolutionizing the way businesses connect We're taking on your connectivity challenges And shooting our high-speed fiber internet Across the country Not just for some, but for everyone Fiber is not a luxury, but a necessity For business, for life, for you and being connected is everything. So network with a tier one internet provider and take your business to the next level of connectivity. Bitco.co.za. Connectivity is everything. Are you a search engine? Because you found me. I feel we have a strong connection. Well, you're pretty fly for a Wi-Fi. Should we drop it like a hotspot and head back to yours so we can show Max and snuggle? Let's get giga with it. Uh, but I don't have fiber. Don't get caught in 50 shades of delay. Broadband your horizons and switch to Vox's super fast, super reliable fiber network. Experience the momentum. Connect your world. Visit us at vox.co.za forward slash fiber. Well, welcome back to the show. How's it, Rechart? How's it, Duncan? So, load shedding is back. Um, did you get shed the other day? No, fortunately, touch wood. No, I didn't. No, me neither, luckily. It seemed like the south of Joburg was affected. It was only stage one load shedding, uh, but ESCOM is warning that they've got serious problems with their coal supply, and we could see uh, load shedding return in a big way uh, heading into Christmas. And they've also announced that they are uh, increasing the number of load shedding stages. So, you know, that um, mm. up to now we've had five stages, stage one, two, three, four, and five. They've now introduced stages six, seven, and eight. Now, while they've said that it, um, it, it is unlikely we'll ever get to stage eight, if we do, basically the country is go- half the country is going to be off um, at, at any given time. So twelve hours basically of outage every day. Now that would be an economic catastrophe if it happened. Yeah, that's that's going to be huge problems. But, but how are we here again? Like, unfortunately, we have to follow. We are. We're going to have to follow the money and, and follow the incompetence. And yeah, I mean, it, it's it's sheer incompetence. I mean, how can a country's main source of Power, electricity, mm. get yeah. to a point like this again. Not not the first time. It's not like the first time in a blue moon. It's like wow, it's yeah. happened. Shocking management, I mean, corruption, um, you name it. I mean, ESCOM is a disaster. A monopoly. Um, if we had competition, um, I guess there's less chance of this sort of thing happening. But um, here we are on the brink of um, load shedding again, and it's going to be a candle at Christmas by all accounts. But all accounts. But what does the law say about uh, uh, you know alternative source of energy? Nobody's nobody's allowed to come in and produce alternative energy, right? 
You know, the they, are. No, they, they are. Um, they are. Uh, there is the um, – I'm not an expert on the subject. I don't uh, write about it, but um, there is the Renewable Energy Programme. Uh, renewable uh, energy, but not, nothing else probably. Independent produ- power producers program. Uh, I'm not sure the details, but I believe that, mm. that they are, are allowed um, and that ESCOM is required to buy a certain amount of electricity from those independent producers, but I'm not sure what the details are. They're probably too expensive to set up as well at the moment. I mean, it, it, it's, yeah, it's not, those panels are still very pricey. Um, any renewable, I think, it, it's a big investment. Well, after a short break there, I think we have resolved our uh, audio troubles there. Rechard, Technical issues, it's hope. <laughs> you are sounding a lot better than you were a moment ago. Um, uh, so what, what exactly went wrong there? Was it a USB connection or something? Uh, maybe, I don't know. I rebooted my machine, tried the USB. It's a, look, it's an it's a uh, external audio controller, right? So mm-hmm. these things use USB. I guess it could be a number of things. Um, it shouldn't be the PC, but anyway. Yeah, you're still coming through so. loud, louder, interestingly, in the right channel than the left channel, um, which suggests there's that still is an issue. But probably, uh, yeah. Look, end of the year is coming. There will be a format of the machines in a week or two. <laughs> Hopefully, that'll solve all the issues. Right, but uh, you are sounding better, so let's um, let's plod on with the podcast. Um, <laughs> So, Telcom is going to switch off its 2G network probably sometime in the next 12 months. Now, this is a very interesting development. They will be the first operator in South Africa to do so, mainly because the other operators can't afford to do so because they have so many legacy feature phones on their networks. Hmm. Uh, I'm sure Vodacom, MTN, and Celsi would love to switch off 2G and refarm that spectrum for, uh, for providing 4G LTE, but they can't do it uh, because they still have millions and millions of feature phones on their networks. Telcom, on the other hand, which was launched, uh, which launched its mobile network much later than the others, uh, never really had an issue with uh, 2G customers on its network. Mm. Um, they have some, I think a couple of hundred thousand they're sitting on, 200 or 250,000 currently, but that's a drop in the ocean compared to their 6.5 million um, uh, users on their network. So the, the vast majority of their users are actually on smartphones. So this allows them to switch off their 2G network and to reallocate that spectrum for mobile broadband, which is um, which is very positive for telecom. Um, there is the issue of the 200 and 250,000 uh, 2G customers still on their network. But when I chatted last week with Sipo Maseko, the CEO of Telcom, he said that, you know, maybe this roaming agreement with Vodacom will allow us to put, push those customers onto the Vodacom 2G network and um, and we can just go ahead and switch off, which I thought mm. was quite interesting. Um, I suppose they could have done the same with MTN, uh, given they had a 2G roaming agreement with them as well. Um, but I think it puts them in a strong position relative to the comp- uh, relative to the competition, um, able to switch off 2G. Um, MTN and Vodacom would love to do it because they'd love to reallocate that spectrum, but they can't. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Look, there's a lot of uh, old dumb devices still out there. I mean, I mm. guess, the, you know, who, 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 do you, who do you upset at a certain point, I guess? Yeah, yeah. So uh, that'll happen in sometime in the next 12 months, no doubt. So it'll be interesting to watch roaming. Lots happening in the telecom space, actually. Lots of developments. Exciting times. Look, 2020 is approaching. I mean, that's the next future, right? Mm-hmm. 2020, the future. God, can you believe so it's almost 2020? <laughs> I know, it's crazy. But uh, we're going to have to have our technology sorted out by then. I remember when, t- <laughs> when the year 2000 looked like a long way in the future. Now we're mm. almost 2020. Mm. And remember the issues we had with Y2K. Oh, my word. The dot That's com. crazy. The dot, yeah. not dot com, the dot, what is it called? The dot bomb? No. Yeah, the uh, dot bomb, the dot com bubble, yeah. The Y2K uh, bug. Little did, we, little did we know that wasn't the issue we had to be worried about. It was a 2008 global financial crisis. <laughs> that was really the thing that hurt us. <laughs> Indeed. So in uh, the uh, – we seem to be having a few of these segments lately. Recha, thanks to you, who's coming up with these offbeat stories. <laughs> <In> our <laughs> offbeat story this week, you've dug up a story about Google exploring virtual reality shoes with tiny motorized wheels. What on earth is that about? But Duncan, as you may or may not know, the main problem with VR in your home is size and space of your VR area that you can play in. Yeah. Now, when you, when you first – for those who don't know, when you first set up your VR – console or whatever you want to call it, um, you have to kind of define a space within you can, within which you can play. Now, the bigger the space within, I mean, obviously, these things can only go up to a certain size if you, if you buy a kind of off-the-shelf kit. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's say the average lounge, given like a five-by-five-meter room, um, you know, you usually have stuff in between. So it's, it's kind of difficult to play 
in in many spaces and then unless you have the luxury of having a big room that you can utilize for this which interesting enough a lot of people are doing they're buying houses with additional rooms for vr apparently but google actually uh, alphabet has filed a patent recently which was pretty pretty interesting to address an issue that vr users or that vr users will definitely have in the future and that is space uh, if you remember the movie um um ready player one in that intro sequence when everybody was kind of on VR, on the, these little motorized treadmills where they were just running in all different directions. Uh, I'm sure you remember what I was talking I about. I have not seen the movie. Oh, no. You <laughs> must watch it. It is fantastic. Well, I'm sure the, the entire global population that has seen it, listening to this podcast, will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, within VR, if you want to get around, you know, you are limited with where you can go. So being able to – I mean, you don't want to be clicking controller to walk around. That doesn't enhance the experience. So in the movie Ready Player One, what they've shown there is like mats that like a treadmill, but it just runs in every direction. You just kind of you're kind of uh, some of them are in this harness, and you can just run in all directions. But now what Alphabet has done is they've thought about a very different way of approaching this, and that is essentially shoes or a harness to your shoe that's got a little motorized wheel on it, so a little platform essentially that you can walk on. And what these motors can then do, I mean, if the technology works as well as what they say, so you will walk as what you would normally walk around, but the motors and the sensors would know where you are, and then within them move you back as is needed. So you might walk forward and then keep walking, but these things will keep moving you back slightly to prevent you from bumping into a wall. I mean, the idea sounds pretty good if you think about it. I mean, it's, it's just as well you have uh, yeah, little wheels in your shoes that just keep you from uh, running. Uh, you, you can essentially run in the same place. Uh, so you mm-hmm. have little treadmills on each feet or on each foot, and they would obviously be able to independently control them. I like the idea, to be honest. Having played a lot with VR and looked at some of these technologies, it, it makes a lot of sense. Cost, obviously, and you know, technology capabilities and how this will work is a different thing. But the fact that they think about this is good enough for me, to be yeah. honest. Um, yeah. I, I wonder how many um, precious uh, uh, paintings and um, vases and things have been destroyed by people wearing your <laughs> headsets and careening around their lounges. <laughs> I mean, you remember you remember the Wii incidents with the Wiimotes hitting yes. TVs. Yes. I mean, this is just a different different level up. Yeah. Look, there's been a, there's been a few solutions. I mean, you've seen some of these around. The the, the thing with the dish at the bottom where you can run. Uh, so you're kind of strapped into a harness, and it, it looks like a, a, a half a dish underneath you, uh, like a half a conga drum almost. So mm-hmm. you keep running, but you stay in the same place. Yeah. And that's the kind of things that they showed in Ready Player One. Um, yes. But this makes a lot more sense for a consumer point of view because you don't have to be buying a big bulky thing. And I think it will feel a lot more natural too, uh, mm. provided you have a smooth floor um, because these wheels will be able to take you in direction. So if you're kind of walking – to the left, this thing can take you backwards and to the right, or backwards and left back into yourself, or something. Yeah. So it can it can essentially reposition you without you knowing it, if it does it with a smooth enough motion. Yeah, sounds interesting. So are they going to bring it to market, or are they just thinking about it at this stage? No, this is the patent. So yeah, look, this is uh, we'll, we'll probably start seeing some prototypes. I'm sure there's some prototypes floating around. I mean, they wouldn't just be patenting patenting this if it wasn't something they believe in i'm sure mm. or maybe that's just a frivolous patent but i think there's there's definitely some uh, something to this um there's been some uh, there's been like those other parts i mentioned where you kind of get strapped and you walk on a um walk on a dish uh, there's a kickstarter for another set of um what are they called vr shoes um but it's not quite the same as this you kind of it's a different platform and you kind of it doesn't have wheels or anything so mm. there's definitely people thinking about the technology and what the solution is. Yeah, this is certainly the most um, ambitious version, I think. If you think about the technology that would have to go into these things. Yes. Um, yes. But yeah, look, it's, we we in the era of VR, and um, it's it's it, these are the issues that's going to need to be addressed for yeah. it to be um, really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's our news this week. Let's move on to our regular features. Uh, we don't have a winner this week, unless uh, Rechard, you've got. Uh, You've got one that you no, want to pick. No, I don't really have. I don't really have any winners. And a loser this week, Bitcoin investors, um, for obvious reasons. And I suppose the question is, are the hodlers still hodling? <laughs> or are they, have they gotten out with this latest collapse? I, know. I don't know. I would, I would stick around. I mean, we've seen this thing go very high, right? Yes. What do they say in investment terms? Sell, sell, what do they, I don't know. What did they, buy low, sell high. Yes. 
Uh, we're definitely low now, so keep holding on. Yeah. Well, the question is, are we low relative to where it's going to be in a month from now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, true. And it also depends on how much you've got to, to lose, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, um, yeah, so uh, we'll, have, we'll be back on Sunday with a winner, hopefully. Um, mm. Rechard, what's your pick this week? So, Duncan, as a fellow PC enthusiast, I've got something that you might find very appealing. You're about to make me very so, jealous. Oh, well, I don't know. I mean, this is a very geeky thing that's my pick this week. But I don't know if you remember a conversation we had a few months back when I built my PC and I opted for a kind of enclosed water cooling system. So it's not a full-on water cooling system. It's just a a little reservoir, fans, and a CPU block. So it's an enclosed water cooling system within the CPU cooler, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So what I've been playing with here is kind of the, the ultimate version of that. It's uh, from a company called Corsair, and you may have heard that brand before. They oh, do yes. a lot of other things, uh, memory, hard, uh, hardware, keyboards. Yes, I have a Corsair keyboard. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. And a case, really in fact. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cases are fantastic. Mm. Yeah, I've also got a case. But now this thing is called the Hydro Series H100i RGB Platinum Extreme Performance 240mm RGB Liquid CPU Cooler. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most ridiculous name of a product I've ever Look, heard in I mean, it's, it, No, it's three lines. It's three lines that I read there, but I, I had to kind of give a description of what this is. Do that uh, again slowly. <laughs> okay, so it is the Hydro Series. It's the H100i RGB Platinum Extreme Performance 240mm RGB Liquid CPU Cooler. <laughs> <laughs> That's I mean, it sounds like a mouthful, but the picture the picture is beautiful if you see it or if you see it in real life. But essentially what this is, is a CPU block that fits onto your CPU mm-hmm. with a dual fan system and a reservoir kind of backing to it. So it's an enclosed water cooling system. Yeah. What makes this really cool is it, it's obviously got the dual cooling fan, which is – so the, the reservoir is bigger, um, and it's got – Amazing RGB. You have to see this to really kind of appreciate how beautiful flowing this RGB is. Yeah. But in, in all reality, this thing works really well. And the reason why it does so is because it's got, it just, it's just able to dissipate heat from your CPU a lot cooler and then, you know, cool it and send it back to your CPU. So it's like having the benefit of a water cooling system. Right. But just on one component. Um, my temperatures, if with with and without it, so normal my my, my kind of CPU uh, would run at let's call it about forty fifty degrees idle, forty five to fifty degrees idle. Mm-hmm. With this CPU cooler on, it's about fifteen degrees cooler. So you know I'm looking at about thirty, maybe thirty five degrees at idle. So there's there's always a fifteen to twenty degree difference with running this CPU cooler and my previous one, or even a stock fan air cooled system. Um, so all in all, you know, even if you're doing a little bit of overclocking or just want to make sure that your PC isn't running hot, you know, if you kind of, because it does also impact the heat in your room and that kind of thing. So, um, if you don't, if you want to make sure your PC doesn't spew out a lot of heat all the time, this kind of thing is definitely a good solution. But I just, I mean, the fact that it's a water cooling, you know, it just works a lot better than your basic air cooling, um, system. So yeah. And it's cool too, I presume. Oh, yeah, no, no, that RGB looks absolutely fantastic. Um, and, yeah, look, it's it's not the it, – in terms of setup, I mean, these cords, it's pretty interesting if you look at how it's – so you've got a square little block that fits over your CPU, just a little block, block with uh, some RGB in it, and then you've got these two pipes. I mean, this is all closed up, so you can't – um, you know, you can't kind of open it up and drain the liquid, so you don't have to worry about topping up liquid or anything. It's mm-hmm. kind of just – you know that's where it is, and that's what it's. Uh, you know, it's a closed system, so it's kind of it's kind of having all the benefits of a bit of air cooling, but um, yeah, it's all running in a closed system. I, I really like it. Um, I, this is a test unit, but I'm trying my hardest to buy this unit because I do like it. Mm-hmm. Um, it works much better than my previous one, so so I'm very happy with it. And it's only oh. about two grand, two thousand one hundred rand, which isn't bad uh, if you want, you know, to to optimize the cooling in your machine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, interesting that the world of water cooling is back. I mean, that was, uh, mm. I, rem- I remember these, um, rugby field sized, uh, data centers that the banks used to run and they had these massive IBM mainframes and then that was, those were all water cooled. Yeah. Um, so kind of return to the water cooling days. Yeah, look, there's so many space. new, uh, it, it did go away. I mean, the last mm. time I, let's, let's call it 10, 10, 13 years ago when I was big into PC building, water cooling kind of, you know, it, it was there, but it was very much enthusiastic, and it, and it kind of 
faded away from the scene and now it's back with a vengeance and there's some really interesting setups out there because it becomes so much easier to do i mean you can if you have the right tools if you just really need a heat gun and the right piping you can build custom shapes within your case i mean Mm -hmm. you still need to know how to craft a little bit with your hands but it's not as difficult as what it used to be because the you know the the, the hardware is relatively easy to buy. Yeah. Um, pricing, obviously, is another thing. This one isn't too expensive, so it's a nice, like, intermediate solution. Um, but it's fantastic. I mean, you can even get guys that dunk the entire PC in uh, a solution, so it runs within a special oil that is not conductive to oh, wow. um, electricity. Wow. Now, that's the way to do it, you know, <laughs> if, uh, if you really want to go overboard. That's hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> Cool, cool pick. Um, my, my pick this week is uh, Huawei's new Watch GT. Um, I recently upgraded, as you know, Richard, to the Huawei uh, Mate 20 Pro, which is a fantastic device. Um, mm. I know you've been playing with one as well, and I think you're also yeah. getting one on upgrade. Oh, uh, I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a fantastic phone. It is a fantastic phone. But as, as part of the, the sort of promotion uh, for this thing, um, as uh, one of the early adopters, one of the first buyers, um, I registered uh, for a promotion they had for the free Watch GT, uh, which retails for about five and a half thousand rand. So I was um, very chuffed when I managed to secure one. And it arrived this morning, and I've been playing with it a lot. Ooh. Uh, it is really beautiful. Um, it is really beautiful. It's got a classical sort of watch design to it. Um, It's not rectangular like the Apple Watch, which is a shape I really don't like on a watch. It's perfectly circular. Mm -hmm. comes with a beautiful brown leather band, and the screen is amazing. It's an OLED screen, and um, it uh, it gives you all sorts of interesting data, like the current atmospheric pressure, if that's of interest to you, your altitude, Mm. your heart rate. Um, it obviously pairs with your phone to pull some info off the internet, uh, like the current weather conditions, sends you notifications, etc. Um, but what's interesting about this is it's running, a, it's not running Android Wear, which Huawei did with their previous watches. It's running a, a custom OS. I think it's called Light OS, if I remember correctly. Hmm. Um, and uh, the battery life um, is acclaimed, and I haven't been able to test this yet since I've only been using it since this morning, but it's got a claimed battery life of two weeks. Uh, which is remarkable. Um, It's got uh, three uh, satellite navigation chips built into it. So I presume one is GLONASS, one is the Chinese one, which I think is called... Um, no, I can't remember what the Chinese one is called, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and, G- and uh, obviously GPS. Um, so it locks onto satellites pretty quickly. Um, they claim that you can um, switch on the GPS and go running with this thing, and it'll, the battery will last for 18 hours, which is just incredible. Wow, that's impressive. You should go try that on a trail run. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I want to do an 18-hour trail run. But <laughs> <laughs> Come on, push yourself. You can do it. <laughs> but um, I must say I'm, I'm very impressed with this. I, I wasn't um, – I don't know what I was expecting, really, but my expectations, whatever they were, have been blown away. Um, and I look forward to playing more with it. But a uh, very impressive little device, this Huawei Watch GT. But does it tell the time? You haven't actually said that yet. I don't even know if it's a watch. <laughs> time, does what's it that? tell the time? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, it does. It's got some great uh, watch faces as well. Um, uh, the one I've got is, uh, I think, a little bit of a rip of the Apple with the little circular um, nice. thing showing you, you know, how many steps you've done and all that sort of thing. Uh, it also shows you the heart rate on screen, which is fantastic. Um, my heart rate is 56. That's amazing. I think I've been sitting too long. Um, <laughs> um, and it's it's beautiful. It's a stunning watch. Mm. Rich after I've got one, um, but uh, I think uh, w- probably worth the purchase. Uh, separately, um, if you own a Huawei phone, I'm sure they play very nicely with the Huawei Health app. But that Huawei Health app is available, uh, I think, on non-Huawei phones as well. So you can buy this yeah, pair is, with a Samsung or pair yeah, with yeah. any other Android phone. Um, but I'm impressed with what Huawei is doing lately. They really are have lifted their game. Yeah, look, I mean, it's the first time that I've been swooned, felt yeah, by a phone, um, and, and this is definitely it. I mean, it just mm. got it's just ticking, ticking all the boxes, and everybody that I've shown it to is also kind of blown away. Yeah, um, it's the alternative. I mean, I would have never thought that a phone like a Huawei would have appeal, appealed to me. Really, it's just it's never had that. They just never had the product. It just wasn't there. Um, they were they were just yeah, they were just weren't yeah. as good. But now they're there. Not only are they there now, but they've in some ways they've pulled ahead with things like in-screen fingerprint reader. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, that's a, that's definitely a, a major feature that wows all the geeks. But I was talking to a guy today. He, what was the previous one that upgraded the P20 Pro, right? P20 Pro was announced earlier yeah, this yeah. year. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie, that thing looks so dated in comparison to this one. Yeah. 
It looks very dated. Um, it's maybe the maybe the maybe the screen. I don't know. It's it's just they've really pulled ahead with this one. It's yeah. going to be hard to top it, I think, um, even for them next year. So we'll see. Yeah. But the yeah. camera, the camera is also amazing. I mean, the fact that you can it's do incredible. some macro. Some macro shots that that puts a new spin on things. Oh, the macro is amazing, and I love the way you just basically put the phone close to an object, and it automatically switches into super macro mode. Mm. Yeah, look, I mean, some of the AI stuff I've been playing with, um, you know, the blurring stuff when it automatically does the portrait mode is not yep. perfect by any means. Okay, um, it works depending on the subject. Sometimes it just over overly blurs something or it misses spots. But you know, it's you know, I'm not expecting everything to be perfect. I just switch it off to be honest with you. I just like the raw. You know, the raw photo that you get, and I'll edit in Photoshop later. Okay. Okay. So, I think that's our show. Rechard, I didn't uh, ask you before the show. We are flying on the, by the seat of our pants a bit in this podcast today. Um, <laughs> I didn't ask you what your song pick was. Uh, do you have one? Otherwise, I have one lined up here. I, I actually do have one, but um, do, should we do a little roulette? I don't know what, which, what, what no, your song No, what have you is. got? Tell me what it is, and I'll line it up. So I've been rediscovering some tunes that I found, and this one actually I've, I, I, I discovered on um, I think this was MTV when MTV was still a thing. Um, but it's by a band called Kasabian. I don't know if you know them at all. No, and you're going to have to spell that for me. <laughs> K a s a b i a n. Found it. Um, great rock band. It's a song called "Where Did All the Love Go?" And it's pretty apt, I think, in today's day and age. Like, man, society is missing something. But um, it's not about that. It's really a cool rock tune. Where did all the love go? Here we go. Um, Kasabian. I oh, with a. With the magic of Spotify, you can queue it up instantly. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of this band. Uh, look oh, they're fantastic. I would, I would definitely put them, uh, if you've got Spotify, put them on Spotify and listen to their top five to ten tunes. Yep. Um, uh, Fire, Underdog, um, Wasted, there's a few really great tunes. Shoot the Runner is one of my all-time favorites as well. Great video with mm-hmm. that one as well. Great stuff. Well, this is Kasabian, and we will – oh, we haven't done our quiz results almost. For oh, yes, 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 let's do that. <laughs> Uh, let me do the first one. ESCOM has introduced new load shedding stages. How many stages are there now? And that's eight. Tech Central this week recorded a podcast with former administrator of NASA who served in the role from 2009 to 2017. Who is he? And the answer is Major General Charles Bolden. Which South African fintech startup this week secured 7 million rand in funding from Kalon Venture Partners and Compass Venture Capital? And that's a company called FinChatbot. Interesting. The fourth question, and I was surprised by this number. How many zero domain zero domains have been registered to date? And the answer is one point two million, of which one point one million are dot zero zero. I've probably got thirty or forty of those. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> you also a domain. My little domain, my little piece of heaven, yeah. Domain hoarder like me. All my ideas that never worked, all those little businesses and little things. Now, now they're all test beds for other developments that I'm doing. So they actually came. They, they're useful. They're yeah, useful. Yeah. But it's nice to own a little digital domain. I mean, there's so much you can do with it. I mm. encourage everybody to uh, buy some domains. Yeah, you should at least uh, try and um, register your name if you can. Yeah, mm. your surname. Yeah. Exactly. And the last question in this week's quiz, the quiz we almost forgot about. Which bank will this week launch a mobile virtual network operator after saying a few years ago it had decided not to do so? And that is Standard Bank, and I'll be at the launch tomorrow, so keep an eye on Tech Central for the info on the MVNO launch. Interesting, but I'm still one, I still don't see why a bank would do that unless they want to keep customers, give them some added benefit. It's an interesting business model. I would like to see what they do with it. Yeah, it would be interesting to see what they do different to F&B with F&B Connect. Yeah, that's the thing. What's the next, what's the next new idea? I bank with F&B, and I have no interest whatsoever in using their MVNO. Mm, yeah, exactly, because you don't know how long it's going to be. It's not really an event. They, they're a bank, right? You're right. Mm. Um, they should do the money thing. Not they also the don't have the best deals on mobile. Yeah, true, true. So we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back hopefully in our normal Sunday slot this weekend. Um, yeah. And we will almost certainly record live if you want to join us. Uh, we record at 1 p.m. on Sunday afternoons. And the web address to use to join the live show is live.techcentral.co.za. And remember, you can WhatsApp the show. The number to use is 71 Double one, double one, and again we are playing out with where did the love go? Rechatspek, a band called Kasabian. Until next time, from Rechad and myself. Cheers. Ciao, ciao.